The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stellwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shwethy Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Victoria Stowell. I am your host. And today I have a very special guest. I'm very excited for you to listen to uh, what she has to say. I have been working with Jay Nicole Smith, the founder of Working With Dog, for, I would say, the last eight to ten years, maybe even longer. Time goes by so fast. And she, gosh, she wears so many hats. I'm going to have to read from her website exactly what she does. Her journey has centered around a career as a commercial artist, a pet photographer and designer. She's also owned a, a dog retail store that I have shopped at many times. Been a star photojournalist, sold advertising for a dog magazine, co-funded and helped build a multi-million dollar dog brand from scratch, been a marketing consultant for solopreneurs and billion dollar dog brands, designed products you see in your bark box, booths you see at SuperZoo, websites you probably visit often, including ours. And um, her purpose and passion is to help create, polish, and share brilliant ideas in clever and compelling ways. So the reason why I'm having her on the show today is because right at this time, I mean, even if we're not in the time of coronavirus, but especially at this time, I feel like people need a boost. We all need a boost. And that some of us might feel a little a little lost. Some of you out there might feel like, what is my purpose? Why? What, what am I doing? And now, if you are having difficulty continuing your business or finding work, or if you're using this time to go, you know what? I actually don't want to be working at the job that I'm doing. I want to have a change. How do I do it? What Nicole taught me and what we're going to talk about is finding my why. And finding the why of why you want to do something, why you want to create a business. Being an entrepreneur, which is what I am and what my husband is, taking our dog training business to the next level, putting it on television, and then from there, building a brand around that came about because we had such a strong why. And the why was to change dogs' lives positively and the lives of their humans. 
And throughout the, the, the 20 years, but the 15 years since I've been on television, of doing this, creating that, creating a business around that why, has been our passion and has been our driving force. But we've needed help along the way. And that's how we met Jane Nicole Smith. She is a fascinating person. As you will hear, she, she, I mean, every time I speak to her, I learn more things that I can apply to my own life. And that's why I wanted to bring her on the show today. She is also a speaker at the Dog Behavior Conference. And if you haven't registered for that conference, do so now. We have got limited seats available. It is an international dog behavior conference. It is a virtual conference. And if you go to positively.com slash DBC for dog behavior conference, go on there and register and spend two days with us, May 9th and 10th, where you can really experience and geek out with dog lovers across the globe. Now, if you say, look, I haven't got two days to sit down for eight hours in front of my computer, you don't have to. Because their presentations will be available to you after if you register. The Jada Cole Smith is going to be speaking on the Sunday. And I'm extremely excited by what she has to say. So without further ado, let's get her on the phone. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Answer the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Nicole, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you? How is everything in my home country, which I miss so dearly? It's it's great, actually. I'll tell you what, I've never been more grateful to live in a country with a national health system. <laughs> um, so it's really cool to see how people have banded together every night at 8 p.m. on, well, every Thursday at 8 p.m., we all stand outside and clap for the NHS for a minute, which is quite cool. So it's um it's a really nice country to be living in during and a global crisis. <laughs> what is it like? I mean, you have a, a you have a baby. Your husband and you both work full time. We know that a lot of families are going through similar thing. Unfortunately, we have predominantly online businesses, so that when we're not traveling, we can work from home. What What has it been like for you, though, as a parent and as a full time worker? How have you managed? How have you juggled? Well, it has definitely made me realize how good I had it. Because <laughs> I had five day a week childcare between a nanny and grandparents. And um, as you say, my husband and I are both self-employed. And so we are used to having that five days and beyond to be able to do all the things. And now he takes the baby. Well, I take the baby from eight to one and he takes the baby from one to six. And we both get about four good hours of work time a day and we just have to make it work. And um, 
it's going to be interesting. I'm very curious to see how things change after this, but we're, you know, wondering if we even need to bring the nanny back, if this is something that we can do so that we can be there to raise our daughter. And it's also really forced me to do <laughs> practice what I preach in terms of this um, idea of freedom and fulfillment, which we'll talk about a bit later, but um, being able to actually, you know, create a container for work and really um, hold that, hold those boundaries. Um, it's actually quite good. Now, you and I have worked together. I was saying to um, our listeners before about the, some of the work that we've done. Um, we've worked together for many, many years. Can you tell people about working with Dog and, and why you developed your business and how it's helping people, especially now? Oh, yeah, I could obviously talk about this all day, but um, <laughs> my background is in the pet industry. So I started in 2005 as a pet photographer and a graphic designer, and that quickly became something I started doing for businesses like yours. And um, that led into me creating one of uh, my own brands with some partners called uh, Dog is Good, which is a lifestyle brand, which obviously we've collaborated on, which is so cool. Um, and that led me to kind of discover my superpower, um, which is marketing strategy and what I call why finding, which is really about helping people uncover, um, their purpose and especially being able to connect that with a way to make a living. And, um, kind of the way I talk about that is finding your why and building a niche brand instead of just a business. So I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, people who want to spend their time with dogs, don't really want to be in that corporate world anymore, um, and how to take what's really their unique skills, resources, genius, and turn that into something that can really fund the freedom and fulfillment lifestyle that they want to have, which is oftentimes very different than the life that they're living right now. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by freedom and fulfillment? Mm, another one of my favorite topics. <laughs> um, so I forgot to mention Working With Dog, which is um, a membership site that I have for pet entrepreneurs. And one of the things I love about that is it's a business model that actually allows me to have more freedom with my time because it's a one-to-many kind of model. Whereas so many people are stuck into a model where they have, you know, one like dog trainers, most of them spend an hour with a client, sometimes group classes, which is great, but the, the amount of money they can earn is quite limited based on their time. And um, having been an entrepreneur for so long and the first years being really, really difficult, um, I'm quite passionate about helping people who want to be self-employed um, avoid burnout and overwhelm and all the things that come quite naturally to us entrepreneurs because this idea of freedom and fulfillment doesn't happen automatically. It's something you have to carve out and create a bit like I was describing with creating a container for the work <laughs> so that you can spend more time living. But for me, freedom and fulfillment is really about making very conscious choices about how you want to spend your time and how you want to serve what it is that you want to do in the world because as human beings, the thing that makes us the happiest is to serve, to make a difference. That's what gives us meaning. So it's a combination of that sort of freedom to spend your time the way you want um, and clarity around how you want to serve. We talk at VSA, we talk a lot about um, autonomy, mastery, and purpose, not just with ourselves, but with our dogs and how important, well, you taught me how important finding my why was. I knew my why, I just never qualified it. I knew that from the very start, 
when I was the dog trainer in Manhattan that I wanted to save lives, that I wanted to give people information about how to teach their dogs humanely. I didn't know it was my why, it just was. That's what I wanted to do. And then the sort of the, the anger came, the anger at seeing such a waste of life in the city of Manhattan and the municipal shelters and the five boroughs. Um, and working, or I say volunteering with Cause for Cause, which was a rescue group at the time that was just a, like a, it didn't have a physical building. We were, it was like a foster organization, but where we would go to the municipal shelters and take animals out and realize that the animals that we couldn't take out just because we didn't have enough room would most likely be put down because there just weren't enough homes, too many, too many animals. And so I think my, you know, understanding this from working with you, that my why became this, from really this anger, this passion to make the world a better place for animals and their people, the anger at the waste of life, and this, this how am I going to be able to give information out to a wider group of people? How am I going to do that? And then something happens. I truly believe that I was supposed to do this. Then something happens. I watch a TV show and go, oh, my God, I do that with dogs. That's it. Email the producers. Got a great idea. Instead of crazy kids, crazy dogs. It's me or the dog was born. I didn't even see then that it was going to explode like it did. But so, so my why came out from not just I want to make the world a better place. But my why came out from anger at seeing a waste of life. So your why doesn't necessarily have to be. Oh, well, rainbows and butterflies, does it? Absolutely not. And your example is a perfect one. The way I know when I'm in the presence of someone operating in their why is how fired up they get when they speak. You can see it on someone's face. You can hear it in their voice. Obviously, Victoria, you're a great example of someone who is just living their why all over the place because you get so fired up about what you're passionate about. And a lot of that does come from a place of anger. But I think that's because the stakes are so high in what you do. You're talking about a loss of life. And I think anyone who's dealing with loss of life or tragedy or trauma like gets really pissed off because it just, it just shouldn't be happening. And some people are talking about things that are a little bit less high stakes where there are a few more rainbows and butterflies. But what it's really about for me is really helping people connect with whatever it is that makes them feel that passionate whether it's from a place of anger or excitement or, or wherever it comes from, it's a very wide flowing river of energy and emotion. And that is how you know that you're in it, that you're in the flow um, of, of finding that why. And as you say, there's one thing to kind of know it like you, you know, you ate, slept and breathed it for years and years, but there's also another piece of being able to communicate it. Those are the two pieces that I really focus on because there's knowing it and feeling it and like, you know, you can talk about it for hours, but to be able to say it in eight words or 10 words, you know, we came up with some language like kindness is powerful, pass it on. Um, and force and fear have no place here. And some of these little, you know, clips of language that we're going to be able to help you reach more people because they're so memorable and repeatable and so right on in terms of exactly what you mean, especially what you mean compared to other messages that are out there which are opposed to the message that you're trying to spread. So that communication piece is absolutely essential because it's one thing to be able to know it. It's another thing for other people to know it. And the only way for that to happen is for you to have some quite concise 
powerful communication. And that communication is words, but it can also be things like colors and imagery, um, stuff that we've obviously worked on and talked about a lot, but also um, things that make us feel something. And colors and imagery and words are sort of the top three categories for that conveying emotion. The, the kindness is powerful, pass it on. Kindness is powerful now, it's everywhere. And what's been so wonderful about that is not just, it's on t-shirts, but it's also now I work with State Farm on the Kindness is Powerful program where we go into schools and we'll be going back into schools when we can. <laughs> Children especially, how to be safe around dogs and how to respect dogs and to learn a bit more about canine language. And so that movement has expanded. It's really exciting to see how that's expanded. Um, and, and colors as well. You, you mentioned colors and how important colors are. Well, so some of our colors are positively are, are purple. Why purple? Because um, purple is my favorite color. Purple is a strong color, a victorious color. It's, it's, a, um, it's a color of strength, but color was, purple was also the color of Sadie's um, my beautiful chocolate Labrador Sadie who passed away two years ago, that was her collar. That was the color of her collar because of her chocolate brown fur. Purple looked beautiful in the chocolate brown fur. So our color was purple and now we've got some sort of a light brown beige. And then for, for the academy, the teal, the brightness of the academy seemed hopeful to me. It was like, I want to be able to give people through VSA hope that they too can achieve their dreams. That's why we have the tagline that we worked with you, chase your dreams. That's exactly it. I did it and I want other people to do it now. So I, I never knew about that when I first started. I mean, I never knew about how, how important color is. Can I geek out on that for a second? Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> I think this is something people find really interesting as well. And I am um, studying to be um, an applied color psychology practitioner. So I'm like really in the like nitty gritty of this stuff. And what's really interesting is the colors we choose intuitively and, and what they actually do um, psychologically. So purple is, um, is, and it's, your purple is great. It's the right purple because purple can go wrong <laughs> very easily. And I think you have a couple of different tones of purple, but they're very um, warm and they have a little bit of gray in them. And um, this purple is really intuition, spiritual awareness. Like there's a really deep wisdom. Um, it's also connected with um, royalty. <laughs> so and that's the power you're speaking about. And the strength um, is from this sort of you know, the history of purple with being sort of God's representative on earth and also um, it being a color that only uh, royal families could wear, that crosses several different cultures. And so, it, it, as you say, it has this sort of strength about it, which is fabulous, but also this sort of intuition and wisdom and spiritual awareness, which I like because it makes it sort of a, a right, righteous color, which is great. It gives us a cue that it's correct, um, which is helpful when you're trying to change some thinking, right? Yes. And what I love about the tan is that it's a very supportive, stable, but very warm color. And both of your colors have a lot of yellow in them, which makes them warm. And yellow is, um, when you talk about psychological primaries, yellow is all about emotion. Um, and so that's where a lot of the feeling comes in. It's not cold. It's very, very warm and supportive. 
And what's great about the blue of the academy is that from a psychological primary standpoint, blue is mental stimulation. Mm -hmm. So blue is all about learning. But again, your blue is a little tiny bit turquoise, which takes it out of that cold, um, like that Facebook blue and stuff, which is so cold and kind of like digital and technical and takes it into that warmer sort of creativity. And as you say, hope, it has that hope because of that yellow that's in there. Um, so it's funny, the things that we sort of pick out intuitively, um, the reasons that we like them, we all have our own sort of color bias and, and, and associations, but, but those are some of the sort of the psychological things that happen for all of us, uh, no matter what, which is pretty cool, right? That's and all so that's cool. baked into your brand now. <laughs> Do you know, it's really interesting because right now, um, in quarantine, obviously we're working really hard, but I am trying to find some more time for me me time and I'm taking a course on um, fashion throughout the ages Tudor. so I'm working with Tudor fashion right now because um, I am writing uh, my first fiction novel and which does incorporate a little bit well it definitely incorporates clothing that uh, that signifies different things different meanings and learning about different colors and about how you could only wear certain royalty could only wear purple certain people could only wear certain characters colors and the fact that black actually wearing black at courts show that you were extremely wealthy because it does take a lot to dye a particular garment black and deep deep black it shows that you have wealth it shows that you have money I mean like who who would have thought it we wear black all the time without realizing the history of black I find that fascinating Oh, it's so interesting. I could geek out on that stuff all day. And I think understanding the difference between color psychology and color symbolism and color association. So color psychology is sort of the response that we have in our brain and body to a particular color, which is pretty much everyone everywhere. Um, all human beings have that same response. Color symbolism is a lot like what you're talking about, where different cultures create sort of different meanings to particular colors. So in some countries, black is a color of mourning. In other countries, white is a color of mourning. Um, and the same thing with weddings, you know, having white or red or, or different colors there. And that's cultural. And then there's association where we associate like yellow with the sun um, and also um, things that happen to us in our childhood. You know, there's a lot of people who don't like, there's a lot of women who don't like pink because they don't want to conform to the girly standard. Um, there's a lot of people who don't like particular colors that were in their um, uniforms if they went to a school where they had to wear a uniform. So really interesting, like all the different ways that we sort of get um, imprinted on. But there's no doubt that one of the um, one of the most strong um, impact that we get from the things that we see is color. In fact, like there's different statistics on this, but between 85 and 92 percent of the purchasing decisions we make are based on color alone. Um, so if we lived in a black and white world, it would be a very different place for actual buying and consumerism because <laughs> color has such a lot to do with with those decisions. You know, it's really interesting you say that because um, our dogs are from from what we we think. And I, and I think we're pretty close to it, um, that they cannot really see the colors of red and green very well. That rather mm -hmm. like blind people, they can't see blue and yellow. But not the colors red and green so you know why are some of the most popular dog toys colored red well because we consumers are attracted to red it seems like insects to light we're attracted to that color and so we buy it even though when we throw a red toy onto green grass to a dog as much as we we know 
it looks more muted, like a gray on top of a gray. So I think that's really interesting that you say that we are attracted to certain colors. I, I definitely know I am. I, I love, I'm, I'm very attracted. I am literally attracted like, like a fly to whatever, <laughs> to poop or something. I'm attracted to, and you can't see it, but you're, I'm attracted to almost Tudor-esque like embroidery pattern. Mm. Go figure. That's, that's Maybe what that's I a love. past life thing, Vic. <laughs> I think so. I think this whole Tudor thing, there is a definite theme. There's a definite theme, but I think it's really interesting. Mm. Um, I told our listeners today how fascinating you would be, and I'm absolutely right. Um, you are <laughs> going to be speaking at uh, the International Dog Behavior Conference, which is May 9th and 10th. We have... We have a great community registered. We are going to have an amazing couple of days. If people cannot spend two days listening to all the talks, it will be available forever. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what you're going to be talking about? Mm, yes. So as I mentioned, typically the work that I do is with entrepreneurs. Um, however, the work that I do is also completely useful for anyone who wants to connect with purpose, um, which right now <laughs> is pretty much everybody. <laughs> I'm just seeing this incredible, um, overwhelming need for people to be able to connect with something more meaningful, something bigger. And obviously for people who are going to be at this incredible conference, which is now going to be virtual, and I'm so glad we get to still connect, is... Um, Everyone there has at least one thing in common, which is this desire to, you know, help you with this positively mission of changing dogs' lives positively. Um, that's something that most of us can connect on. And what I have seen from working with your audience, obviously, um, I'm on the faculty for the, the Dog Training Academy, and those are all dog trainers. But what I know about the people that you attract is that every single one of us has that strong, strong desire. And many, many, many people, especially now, if they've gotten laid off or they've had this time to work from home, um, any time like this of a, of a huge shift in energy towards change, um, towards, you know, what people are calling the new normal, which I find really weird. <laughs> um, but there's a huge energy of change right now. And so a lot of people are going to be asking themselves a lot of questions about the stuff I was talking about earlier, how do they want to be spending their time? Actually, it's quite nice to be at home with my family. Actually, I quite like not having to commute for three hours a day. Like these questions are going to be bringing up a lot of, um, you know, critical thinking and evaluation of our life and how we're spending our one precious and wild life. And, um, you know, a lot of your people will be thinking, how do I spend more of my time helping dogs, hanging out with dogs, um, and so one of the things that I think is going to be really exciting about what I'm doing at the conference is leading people through a workshop style sort of presentation where they can really start to get to know what's inside themselves, their skills, their resources, um, what I like to call their weird, like what makes you quirky, special, wacky, different, interesting. Um, and, and also some of the stuff that, um, and, and sometimes it's harder to find this stuff, just this, what I call your superpowers, the stuff you're just really good at, but most people don't even realize it because it comes so naturally to them. They don't realize it's a skill that other people don't have. Um, so the exercise we're going to do is going to help pull some of that out. And then I have a really simple sort of signature exercise where you can kind of look at it and categorize it. 
and you get to walk away with these sort of what I call pillars of your why, which means that you kind of have a clarity around these categories of things that you really care about and are really good at, which you can then take and turn into, actually, I want to pursue this particular hobby, or I really need to be supporting this area of my life, because often I can see very quickly um, the areas that you need more and you're not getting enough of this particular thing in your life. Um, and also when you look at all these pillars together, you can see the potential for a brand or a business, um, that they could potentially leverage if they want to into, you know, helping dogs in a lot of different ways. Sometimes that's, you know, something like becoming a dog walker or a dog trainer. Sometimes it's being someone who supports dog walkers or dog trainers by being a, someone who does branding or, or like, you know, like I do, or, or bookkeeping, but they do it for dog businesses instead of everybody. Um, and in this way, they're able to support dogs because they're supporting the people who are on the front line. So um, it's a really, really exciting workshop. I absolutely love doing it. And I think I the, doing it in the, um, in the virtual forum is going to be great because I can have so much more interaction with everybody who's there that would have been more difficult from stage. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really great. You know, three of the words that we came up with um, with you um, were educate, engage, educate, empower. Empower, yeah. And, I, and that's where I feel the empowerment is so important. And empowerment is what people need right now. Because for however long we are going to be in this, we sometimes it's really disempowering part of what i'm going to be talking about in my talk is brave it's a new protocol that i've come up with and um it's something that i feel is missing in the training world and that will greatly help people and it's easy to do and it's coping strategies for every dog and a large part of that is empowering it's empowerment, not just for the dog, but for the owner too. And I think that's what we all need right now. We need to feel empowered. We need to have this, the headspace to feel that we can make a difference. We can forge ahead. And so I liked what you said that it's this, it's this sort of this, this time for critical thinking, this time for change. And it, 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 in all of this horror, it can be positive change if we're given the freedom and we're empowered to do it. Yeah, what's really interesting to me based on what I'm seeing right now, so working with entrepreneurs and people who want to be entrepreneurs but are too scared, um, I've learned that it takes, you know, one of our biggest challenges is fear, isn't it? And there's all different kinds of fear. We could spend days talking about just that. So I love this, the acronym BRAVE. I just love, obviously. Um, and this idea of empowerment, to me, feels like that moment that you go from being too scared to just having to get out there and do it. And the one thing that I have seen that is a perfect cure or remedy for that fear, the, the most powerful thing that I've seen work consistently for anyone at any time, the only thing that I've seen work for anyone is to step out of ego 
and fear around what are they going to think and what if they judge me and I'm not expert enough and what if people hate what I'm saying and what if I get ridiculed, criticized and they step out of themselves and their own ego and they step into purpose and service and all of a sudden what happens is the job that you have to do and this is exactly what was happening with you and and um, it's me or the dog the job that you have to do is way bigger than your own stuff and you when you step into that purpose and when you get into that sort of I think of it often as like a river you get into that river and you're going downstream like you can't stop yourself <laughs> like you just it, you you and this you know you're such a good example of this Victoria like you just you just can't get enough like you 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 fall asleep thinking about it you wake up thinking about it you build relationships based on it like everything you do is for this purpose and that is one of the most powerful ways to get out of fear. And I just see fear paralyzing people left, right, and center. And now obviously there's a tremendous amount of fear. So I'm out there right now shouting about like, if you want to get out of this fear, if you want to step into this, feel this empowerment that you're talking about, you need to get one very, very important thing. If you don't already have it, which is clarity around your purpose and 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 being able to get alignment with that purpose and embody it step into it um because then you won't have a choice <laughs> like, then you're just gonna be like thrown down the river and you'll be out there feeling empowered and making that difference but i think that clarity has to come first and most of us don't really know where to find that that clarity and that's kind of that's what i do fear can be debilitating but also fear can be stimulating as well we talk about this in animals, whereby you know, when we talk about fear-free, well, there's no such thing as fear-free because actually we need free. We need fear in order to survive. Fear um, is important. If we didn't fear, we, would, we wouldn't realize that things around us in the world could hurt us. So we need to have fear in order to be able to survive. It's adaptive. It's when it disables then that it, be, it, it becomes something that can completely disempower you. And so I think everything that we do at VSA and at Positively is to give support, to give solutions, and to help move people forward. And in turn, move animals forward. And that's why I'm so excited for your presentation at the, the International Dog Behavior Conference, because I think people are, they're not normally exposed to the kind of information that you're going to impart, but once they listen to you, I think their heads are going to go, oh my God, that, that you're going to kind of open many different pathways for people to go down. And that's why I'm so excited. Nicole, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I can't wait to hear you speak. Thank you so much for your continuing dedication to Positively, to VSA, to the mission. And thank you also for changing so many people's lives positively as well as pet lives too. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the podcast again, maybe in the next couple of months. And um, again, if people want to find you, where's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Victoria, and for having me speak at the conference. I'm so, so excited. So I really appreciate that. 
Um, as far as finding me online, um, probably Instagram is the best place to start. Um, and that is at working with dog or at J Nicole Smith. And that's Nicole with an H. So it's J N I C H O L E S M I T H. I follow both. And you know, well, I, your Instagram calms me. <laughs> it does. You know why? I can tell you why. Color. It's very purposeful color. <laughs> that's exactly it. I do. I love your Instagram. And I, I go, and I always have for years and years. And I go, ah, oh, when I look at it. Oh, and that's there you so go. I hadn't really, I really hadn't put my finger on why, but now I, now, now I, now I have. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Take care. And um, people, if you register for the Dog Behavior Conference, you're in for a treat. Thank you so much, Nicole. Bye. Thanks, Victoria. Bye-bye. Didn't I tell you how amazing she is? And I feel so very fortunate to have her in our corner. Really, I mean, my favorite T-shirt, Kindness is Powerful, has Kindness is Powerful on the front and pass it on in the back. I'll be wearing that at the conference, at least for one of the days. And that really, that T-shirt's gone everywhere. And it's such a great positive message. And it's a message that's needed right now. Kindness is indeed powerful. It doesn't mean to say you can't speak out. If you have something you need to say or if you need to stand up for justice or if you have to call somebody out, you can do it in a way that's not going to insult or instill fear. You can, it's still a powerful thing. That's why we say kindness is powerful. And Nicole has helped me refine my why because I'm a passionate person and I'm feisty and I get lost in the passion I get lost in the why and with the huge positives comes comes the huge negatives of sometimes my why is all-consuming and I cannot get out of it and I get to the point where I'm like, I have to take a break because I can't actually take on any more. Working with animals is very emotional, especially working in the, the rescue world. And so sometimes that overwhelm just take, overtakes me and I have to go do something else. Like I just said, I have to, I'm doing a course on fashion. Mostly, I'm most interested in historical fashion. And I'm writing a book. I'm writing a new book. Nobody's picked it up. I haven't even put it around to anybody to say, hey, take a look at this book, but I'm really excited about it. Because a lot of it is going to be looking back at history, which I'm passionate about. So sometimes I have to get away from my business, get away from my why. And I have to focus on something different. And of course, my family comes first. For all of those of you who are maybe sitting at home and struggling, even if you're not struggling, but you're sitting at home going, gosh, you know what? This is teaching me that I have to, I have to do something. And I have to do something for the greater good. I think what Nicole said about that your mission now becomes 
bigger than you. You're, it becomes about service. And I've always wanted to serve. I've always wanted to make life better. Better for people, better for dogs, better for my family, better for myself. But sometimes I get so glooped up in the, I have to do this and I have to do that and I have to be great at this and I have to be good at that and I have to be a good mom and I have to be this and I have to, I have to be the best of everything. But sometimes you lose, your, you lose the mission because you lose yourself. Now is the time when we can go, look, let's take a breather and see where we can go, see how we can not, how we adapt to this new normal, yes, but how we can use critical thinking now at this time. And actually, maybe if we want to, clean out a little headspace and think about where we can go. What is the experience that, what is it teaching us? Definitely taught me that I have to work less because my husband and I are all day. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, other than I, when I'm with my daughter, it's work, 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 work. We laugh because we say every day is a Thursday. When actually, that's not really something to laugh about. It's about being able to put stuff to bed for a while and say, okay, that's work. Now we're going to have, now we're going to, now we're going to have a little bit of freedom. Not that work is not freeing, but you know, you know what I mean. So I hope to see you, gosh, in a few days, May the 9th and 10th. Register by going to positively.com slash DBC. And hey, also know that every day is rough talk. 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fridays is my new online show, talk show, with the wonderful Heather Paul, Michelle and Aladdin, Larissa Wall from Home and Family, and special guests that we have on every week. So you can go to positively.com slash rough talk, R-U-F-F talk, and you can register there. We're live on Zoom, and also you can see it on Facebook Live. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Do take care of yourself. Keep safe, and I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.